Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello and welcome to Just Films and That, with me, Josh Hallam. And me, Alice Oliver. This is the podcast where we talk about films that we think are underrated, underappreciated, or we just wanted to talk about them. We're also going to get stuck into some classic films that one of us maybe hasn't seen, and maybe throw in some great guests along the way. So we'll start, as we do every week, with a random question. Alice, what was your first job? What was your first job? Well, I think possibly like many of our listeners, paper round. And I wasn't sure, I wasn't sure whether that really counts because I was like 11 years old or whatever. Mm. But, you know, money exchanged hands. I was paid to do a thing and I did that thing. But yeah, I had a paper round from about 11 till 15 um, but really massively cheated because my dad helped me, bless him. Like after <laughs> after his working day, like he'd be at work for nine or ten hours and then come and help me do my paper round. Your paper thought, round oh. was in the evening? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so it was an evening one. It was once a week. It was on a Friday night mm. or you could do it on a Saturday morning, but they gave you the newspapers on the Friday night and expect or would have preferred you to do it on the Friday night, but they'd let you off with a Saturday morning. But no, I did have friends in school who had one. I had one mate called Holly. She did one Monday to Friday every single morning before school when she's like 12, 13. I was like, hats off to you, mate. That's, that's hardcore. Yeah, that's what I did. I did. Uh, oh, yeah, amazing. Monday to Saturday. Really? Yeah, eight quid I'm a week. Eight quid a week. Eight so I got whole pounds. I got I got ten I got ten pound for my one. But I fucking hell. Well, what I wonder ten quid for what? How many fucking papers are you delivering? It was it was quite a few. Like I think a couple of hundred. <laughs> right, Wait, fair was enough. It a couple of hundred. Mine That's was what about I was thinking. Thirty. Yeah, I was thinking maybe the early morning ones were a little bit shorter. Um, but I also. I, for the last couple of years, sort of between age 14, 15, I did it on my rollerblades. So that was a <laughs> lot cool. of fun. Yeah, that that's was cool. I was pr- I was a pretty cool kid. Um, but I tell you, you, get a bit off balance when you've got like this fucking massive weight just <laughs> down one side. <laughs> but yeah, that was my first one. And then after that, um, cleaner, like they in our high school, um, they would like hire the students to clean the school. Oh yeah. So yeah. I did that, and the pay was actually really good. It was like six pound fifty or something, which was loads back then. Because we're loads, talking, yeah. we're talking like mid two thousands, and I was like 15, 16 years old. Um, but yeah. So what was your? I take it paper round as well. Paper round, but like outside of paper round, because uh, that's just like a rite of passage, and it? it's not like a job. It's like a, it's like almost everybody does it. Um, I, I did pot washing in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. 
I didn't last very long because I was only like 14 and I was too, um, I just couldn't keep up. I was almost yeah. like sort of too little really. Um, how pathetic is that? Um. Well, I don't know, mate, because kitchen environment is an tough. intense environment. It's tough. Like I've done cafes, hotels, and then more recently Weatherspoons. And that it is an intense environment. Yeah. Like, I think that's hardcore for a 14-year-old to be in I that remember, sort of place. Um, it's funny talking about the £6.50 an hour. I remember the first time I got a full-time job. It was in the summer after school when I was 16. And I just worked in a in the shop of a timber yard. So selling, you know, all the stuff that goes with the timber and paints and all that sort of stuff. I remember sitting down with the manager and he looked at me and was like, minimum wage for your age is uh, 3.30. And then he sort of winked at me and went, but we'll give you 360 an hour. And it was like, that felt like loads to me yeah. at the time. Yeah, no, the same. After I, because I had a bit of a funny one where I sort of dropped out of sixth form and then was waiting to go to college like the year or the year after that. Um, and I worked in a cafe and I'd done like a few days and sort of, we hadn't really, I hadn't been paid and we hadn't really talked about money or whatever. And my boss was just like, right, here you go. And gave me 70 quid for about like maybe a week's work. And I was like, oh my God, like it was the most money I'd ever Make held in my rain. hands. Make it rain. Yeah, man. <laughs> but that was like £4.50 an hour. But that felt like tons of money back then. So we'll move on to talking about this week's film, uh, which is Happy Go Lucky from 2008. So if you haven't seen that one, then uh, spoiler warning for you. Um, <laughs> I was going to do a plot synopsis, but it's sort of difficult to do a plot synopsis because there sort of isn't one. But the best I can do is it's a film about Poppy, played by Sally Hawkins. Um, she is a primary school teacher living and working in London. She's essentially perpetually and relentlessly optimistic. And the film just follows her daily life as she sort of hangs out with her sister and her flatmates, takes driving lessons from a paranoid downbeat instructor and starts dating a guy that she meets through work. Um, and that's about the long and short of the plot. Um, Alice, so I was really interested to know, had you seen this one before? I hadn't seen this one and hadn't heard of it. So again, like going in with no prior knowledge to it, which I really do enjoy. Uh, but I think you did a quite a good job there of uh, summarising it because one of the things obviously you come away from it thinking is nothing really happened. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that it's not entertaining. It was exactly. kind of a really, just sort of a really interesting example of that. Um, why did you pick this one? Is this sort of underrated, underseen for you? So I picked this because it's underseen. So I went to see this at the cinema um, whilst I was at college and I sort of found it really uplifting and optimistic at the time so it must have been when it came out and I hadn't seen it for years I hadn't seen it for you know probably possibly I might have seen it once more since I saw it at the cinema um, and I wanted to re-watch it and and see if I felt the same way I came to think of it because I've been I, I re recently watched The Shape of Water and Sally Hawkins is obviously in that and, and so I that to... was her I yeah, didn't think and I, and I was and like I, is that from the shape yeah. of water. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I wanted to watch a film with her in it. It's definitely, I would probably say, critically, it's it's well received. Um, but having talking, having having spoken to the odd person about it, I've not met many people who have seen it. Um, it's not like a big, huge blockbuster or anything like that. So I think with this film, I'm really interested to know what you think. But before you tell me, I think you'll either go possibly one of two ways. I think either you might think it's sort of quite wonderful and uplifting and lovely or you think it's completely pointless there's no plot and it's really irritating um those are the two opinions i've from the people that i've seen i've spoken to who have seen it those are the opinions i've got so go on what did you think 
I mean, I certainly didn't think it was irritating or pointless. I think there's really something to be said for making a film essentially about nothing and that is just, it is just like the camera has just been plonked in the middle of these people's lives. Like there's no real introduction, there's no middle, there's no sort of resolution. It's just kind of life as it's happening. It did sort of make me think a bit like it, uh, sort of think of it as like a feature length episode of EastEnders. Like just sort of, I mean, obviously, because it's so London as well and so yeah. Cockney. Um, but no, I thought it was really endearing. I thought uh, the script was really interesting. I thought the performances were great. And I could uh, really relate to it a lot. Obviously, Poppy and her friends are sort of women in their 30s. And you just kind of, it really had that vibe of sort of like still being, uh, getting to that age and still kind of being lost and not really knowing what it is that you want to do. And, you know, there'd be scenes where they were getting like way too pissed in their front room and the sun was coming <laughs> up and it's like, what are you doing with your life? And then I think Poppy had a few moments where she was like, like she just likes being free. She doesn't like the idea of having kids. Like she just kind of enjoys living her life as she is living it. Um, so I could really relate to it. And it was quite a female heavy cast as well, which I quite enjoyed. And um, so I really loved, really loved the the location and how the location was just kind of so personified with all of them. Like they're so Cockney. They've got these such strong Cockney accents. So my husband's Cockney, my mum's mm. from London. Mm. Like I've always had like a positive association with it. And I find as well that many Cockneys that I've met, that I've come across, do have this quite happy-go-lucky sensibility. Um, it's usually sort of from coming through adversity and sort of masking, you know, maybe things that weren't so great when they were younger, but they've now adopted this kind of positive attitude and that's what sort of gets them through the day. Um, yeah, like I said, there's no real beginning. So there's no real character introduction. It's not like it starts. And, you know, in most films you get... The beginning scene is, you know, they say everyone's names a lot. They say kind of what they're doing. And it's like, oh, well, you know, I'll see you at this place later. And then we'll go to this place because my mum is this, blah, blah, blah. You know, just loads of just loads of information and loads of exposition about what's going on. But you didn't really get that. You just kind of had to figure it out for yourself. But I feel like the acting made that easier. Like you could kind of tell what kind of people they were and you could kind of tell how they felt about their lives and where they were through their performances and through the script. Um, some of the just kind of British iconography. So obviously we're in a primary school for some of it and it just feels so British and they're using Pritt stick and there's all these like, it just it just feels so Britishy. Um Everyone's really been like, in that classroom, haven't they? Everyone's yeah. been in that classroom. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how often do you see Pritt stick in a film, really, though? Like, really think about it. Yeah, there's, not like, like a, no. there's not like a scene in Iron Man where he's putting it together and he's like, oh, I need a Pritt stick for yeah. this. <laughs> anyone, anyone got a stick of glue? Um, some of the plot points I thought were really interesting and it was a lot about Poppy kind of wanting to learn new things. So obviously, obviously one of the main storylines is that she's learning to drive and we get to see her interactions with her driving instructor and she's a 30 year old woman and I learned to drive when I was 25 so like a little bit older than is the standard you know 17 18 yeah. so I reckon it is quite daunting and a bit weird to be finally learning to drive when you're 30 mm. but if you live in London 
what, why bother, innit? Like, why would you learn to drive? So it makes sense that she waited so long. Um, and then also we get her in the flamenco class or in the dance class. Um, and that's a really interesting scene. And I can't really remember the exact details, but I, I wrote down that that scene was really entertaining and really funny. I think it was to do with the teacher. I think she had quite a lot of funny moments. So it was just kind of, it was almost like a coming of age story for a 30 year old woman. It's, well, that's exactly it's it's exactly that, isn't it? It's 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 nothing, but it's also it's it's everything because it's such a slice of life film. I mean, so this is directed by Mike Lee. So if if you if you're listening, and you don't know who Mike Lee is, then do give him a Google because he's a really he's done some really interesting films because he does a lot of really naturalistic sort of social pieces and and that sort of thing. If you think of like Secrets and Lies and and that sort of thing, but then. The other end of it is this, and he's got a really interesting way of working, which I want to ask you about um, shortly. But so he essentially he takes an idea for a story. I believe this is right from what I've read about him, and he sort of comes up with an idea, and then he and then he takes the way the actors and they devise and improvise over a long period of time. So the script isn't necessarily a finished script. They come up with it over the course of a few weeks. I think they sometimes might go away and live together for a little while, and then they come back with a script. So a lot of the dialogue, if you think about particularly between um, Scott and Poppy, the driving instructor, and Poppy, the main character, is a mixture of them improvising and reacting to what's around them in character and devising, you know, what would your character say in this situation? You know, why why would Scott really have a problem with Poppy wearing high heel boots to drive in, you know, that sort of thing? So it's a lot different from other films we've done, which is, you know, and everything, every piece is different. You know, some people, the script is the script. You do not deviate from the script. And some people, it's the script is a guide. And some people, it's a bit of both. They like to let their actors ablib, that sort of thing. Whereas this is right the other end of the scale from probably anything else we've done in terms of how reliant it is on the actors to create their characters, stay in those characters and and almost create the story from, from their own heads. And I just think that's really interesting because I think it gives you this really authentic and naturalistic slice of life. Like it's the closest of all the films I think I can see. Mike Lee and Ken Loach are people who is another one. If you think of I, Daniel Blake and, and Kez and, and things like that, who create real life cinema and none of them are ever, you know, these massive blockbuster hits. But I think there's something to be said for holding a mirror up to, up to your audience that is so close to what they're used to seeing. And, that's something I really like about the film. But I was interested. Do you think that it being so close to real life helped immerse you into it, or was it too close and you would rather have something more escapist? I, I the thing is, I can honestly take both. Like, yeah, I, you can take like Star love, Wars, can't you? You can take this yeah, or whatever. Exactly. Like, I love, I love kind of high fantasy and sort of you know crazy storylines and. For me, it's all about the the writing is always a huge thing for me. Like if something's got a shoddy script, then I'm just not bothered. Like I, I remember not this wasn't so much a shoddy script, but obviously a while ago we did uh, perfume the story of a murderer. And mm. one of my comments about that was just that most of the conversation didn't feel like any kind of real conversation that mm. people would have. And that makes you very aware that you're watching something that has been scripted, which I think, you lose some of that connection with it in in that regard. But with this, 
I did really enjoy it. And it's it's odd because why it's like watching a home movie almost. It's mad, like, isn't it? It's, it's just, just like it's just real life. Why is this entertaining? Why do I like this? But it's a lot of it is that sort of relatability factor, isn't it? It's about seeing something, seeing someone experience something that you can relate to and that you feel like you've experienced as well. And there's just something comforting in that and just yeah. kind of knowing, oh, I'm I'm not the only person who feels like this, and I'm not the only person who who's gone through that sort of thing. The ad-libbing thing, I think, does really add to it because I did think, like, it it was still entertaining, which I suppose says a lot about the actors themselves, even though it was ad-libbed, but still felt completely normal as well. But, like, sometimes real-life conversations are funny and Mm. they are interesting, even if they're not scripted. It kind of just depends who you're chatting to. Um, But, yeah, no, just really interesting. But but what were you going to say? It's it's really interesting you say that because, like, that for taking perfume as, as an example... That was a case of a, a film set in in a real world. Obviously, it was historical, but a lot of the imagery is what we have come to believe was that was what things looked like back in the in in the eighteen hundreds, etc. And so, fantastical dialogue against realistic setting. I think that's what takes took took you out of the film a little bit. Whereas, if you take something like Star Wars, and they're saying you know complete completely fantastical science fiction dialogue. But because it's set in that world, it doesn't take you out of it. You know, if you think about thing, you know, him holding a laser sword or building a, a, space, a space station that can blow up a planet, that sort of thing, that's absolutely ridiculous. But because it's set in that world, it doesn't take you out of it because it's all encompassing, isn't it? But yeah, I think one of the interesting things about the ad-lib dialogue is that when you think about films about real life or social issues or anything like that you do think think about things like secrets and lies or like you say kitchen sink dramas or i daniel break and i think it has this connotation of being quite glum it's there to either send a political message or it's there to make a point of some kind whereas this it's an it's this it is that but it's just a it's just a character just bumping along just having a nice time and i think it's really interesting because i don't know of another film that is made in this way that is so, that is also just like, just uplifting and happy. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yeah, no, no, I agree. What um, what did you think about uh, Poppy and Scott's relationship? So I really enjoyed that. And that for me is 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 down to their two performances. I think, I think everyone, all the actors in it are good. But those two, so Sally Hawkins and Eddie Marzan, who play who plays Scott, a standout for me. I think they just, I think they're brilliant because the contrast between the two, you got Poppy and she's just, she's sweet and she's funny and she's kind. She's upbeat. She's just constantly optimistic. I mean, she's happy-go-lucky, right? That's the title of the film. And she's very likable. And then you got Scott and he's, he sort of feels like a real person. You might meet at a wedding or in a, in a pub you know, he's he's got all these mad conspiracy theories about the world and they sort of bleed over into his dialogue. And you can see how they've built that character up from that. They've started with this thread and they've pulled on it and pulled on it. And then they've built on it and built on it. And then they've created they create this rounded person, which is which is Scott. So he is, you know, not only has he got all these mad ideas about the world, but he's also got that really strange, toxic male entitlement. You know, Poppy is nice to him. So I'm entitled to objectify you and I'm always entitled to, I don't know, it's that thing, isn't it? Why don't you want to sleep with me? You know, it's yeah. that male entitlement, isn't it? You're being nice to me, so you must want to sleep with me. And it's it's a really strange thing, but it's a very real thing. And I quite liked how this dealt with it because the only time the film ever really gets, well, not film, where, where Poppy the character ever gets serious is sort of towards the culmination of the film when she does challenge scott they don't have a massive route but she challenges him on his behavior and and i think that's really interesting because it's the it's the only time in the film you ever see her being serious there's even a whole scene where obviously she's a primary school teacher and and, and it deals with a it doesn't say exactly what but hints of sort of child abuse and even then she's serious in the context of the scene but all the way through the film, she laughs at everything. She doesn't take anything seriously. And then when it comes to him at the end, she does, she just, she literally almost puts her foot down. So I yeah, really enjoyed nice, it. Nice pun there with the, with the driving lessons. <laughs> what, can I, yes, what can I say? What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's such an intense environment to be in as well. Like anyone, like we all remember learning to drive, like you're stressed out anyway. And then you're in such close proximity with this other person. It's like you do, you want to be able to trust them and you want to be able to like, because it's a teacher-student relationship that they have. Mm. It's like he shouldn't be objectifying her no matter what. Even if she said like, oh, I fancy you a bit or whatever, he shouldn't be, he shouldn't be doing any of that he is her teacher in that situation he is dominant over her because she has to do what he says she is in his car like if he decided to lock the doors and drive off with her he could do that um but yeah just a really good kind of depiction like you say of that kind of sort of almost toxic masculinity style of behavior and it's like 
when they have this row. So he kicks off at her because she started going out with someone else. And he's like, well, I thought you liked me. And he says, like, this is your fault. Like, you did this by dressing that way and behaving that way. Um, But she doesn't take it at all. No. It's like, just because she seems nice on the outside, it's like she's obviously grown up in the East End of London. Like, Mm. she knows how to hold her own and she isn't going to let you take advantage of her. Yeah, she is nice to you because she is a nice person. That doesn't mean she wants to go home with you or be your girlfriend or sleep with you. She's just a nice person. So, you know, get get over yourself, basically. And because um, she, like, she wasn't even that flirty. No, she's not, like, she's the, not flirty The conversations at all. were never of a sexual nature. Like, she didn't really... I don't think she led him on really at all. Mm, but he's just all. like... But we know that he's a bit bonkers, don't mm. we? Because doesn't he start talking... Did he start talking about QAnon? Maybe not QAnon exactly, but like those in all sorts kind of... of like Illuminati type conspiracy yeah. <laughs> theories, I think, doesn't he? Because because the whole um, pyramid thing that he keeps referring to, I think is a, I think it's a reference to a book about the Illuminati. Possibly, I'm not entirely sure, but but no, he has he has all sorts of mad conspiracy theories about the education system creating zombies and keeping you down and all that sort of thing. But that's the, I think that's the real triumph of of the film is that all the characters feel really real. Like, there's no dialogue that feels out of place. You know, you, you got Poppy, who's really upbeat. Of all the characters in it, she probably feels the least real, but that's because those people who are so optimistic and, and upbeat are few and far between. Um, mm. But then you think of Scott, or you think of the the um uh, her who, the the guy who eventually becomes Poppy's boyfriend or her flatmate. They're just They're just normal people just going about their daily lives. Something I was actually going to ask you, which was keen to get to, to ask you, obviously this film is, the big contrast that we've just talked about is that Poppy is very optimistic and Scott is very pessimistic. Would you say you're an optimist, a pessimist or a realist? Or well, some of one that isn't, I haven't just listed. <laughs> I think, oh, I mean, I'd like to think I'm a realist but I think I do lean more towards pessimism. Mm. Um, before you knew me, Josh, and even even for a couple of the f- first years that we did know each other, I was quite a miserable person, <laughs> and I think I'm still I'm still sort of holding on to some of that. Um, but I, I think I'm getting better. I find as I'm getting older, um, because you just get you because when you just kind of get used to things being a bit shit, then when things aren't as shit. It feels quite good. You sort, of, so, you sort of mellow out with age, really. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I definitely, I'm certainly less anxious than I used to be, mm. and I can manage my stress a lot better. Um, but I'm definitely not optimistic. Why? What about you? I'm not optimistic. Mm-hmm. I'd love to say I was. It depends how I am at the time. Sometimes I am optimistic. Um, I genuinely do change and chop and change and all that sort of thing i think most people who know me personally would probably say i'm a pessimist similar to you i like to think i'm a realist but i think really the answer to this question is that no one is any of those things because if you are any one of those things i think you're probably a little bit unbalanced right you're either eeyore or you're poppy from happy go lucky um, I think everyone's somewhere in between, but I'd probably say I'm going to go out on a limb and say I'm a realist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. But no, yeah, you're right. I think everyone is just a mix of all those things. It just kind of depends, you know, depends how you feel when you wake up in the morning, doesn't it? And what's going on in your life and all that sort yeah. of thing. 
So we'll move on to things that we perhaps didn't like about the film. Um, was there anything for you that you didn't like? So uh, this isn't even something that I didn't like. It was just something that I, I noticed. But when they're driving around, uh, obviously when they're, when Poppy's learning to drive, uh, there was just there was one scene where they used the same background twice um, and, and it just sort of repeated itself. So they turn around a corner and there's a bright blue and I believe it's a Citroen Picasso in sort of the back, the sort of rear right hand of the, of the what do they call it? With the winds, no. What's the rear window called? Rear window, right? Yeah, the rear window. It's just the rear window. <laughs> I was like, what? What do they call that rear window on cars? That's the rear window. Okay, so that. So I just, literally just noticed that one time they turned a corner and they, there was this bright blue Citroen Picasso in the background, and then they drove for a little bit longer, turned another corner, and it was just the exact same background mm. done twice over. Um, but that's not that's not a dislike. <laughs> like I wasn't like, well, this film is terrible now. <laughs> Just like a little blooper. Maybe. I'm not watching any not. more of this film if that yeah, fucking Picasso is in it again. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, maybe there are tons of bl- bright blue Citroen Picassos in London, and therefore, you know, it might have just been two different cars. <laughs> but that was the only thing. There wasn't really anything. That di- not really anything I didn't like about it. I think if you if you get on board with that style of filmmaking and that style of storytelling then there is just a lot to enjoy about it. But I can definitely see how, for some people, some groups of people, that this just wouldn't be their thing at all. Yeah. I think when I went, to, I went to watch it with a class at college. So obviously we all discussed it afterwards because that was why we went to watch it. It was the whole point of the module. And um, it, was, it was quite um, polarizing. There was a lot of people sort of said, you know, she was really irritating. Some people who just loved it. Um, for me, again, there's not loads. Um, I'm not a fan of the, the Picasso either, but I didn't even notice that. Um, <laughs> I think so. Some people have said, I, 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 I think I watched this with my other half, possibly, and she sort of said, I just don't see the point of it, or that she is a little bit, Poppy's a little bit irritating. But I kind of think that's the point because it is literally a, uh, like we said, a, an actual slice of life sort of film. I mean, she is, you know, at some points, she is a bit David Brent. She does make really shit jokes. You know, she does a lot of going, oh, I don't drink or whatever. On the, you know, that sort of, you know, a lot of, oh, sort of sat off jokes off to the side. But that is the point, isn't it? Is that she's got such a sunny disposition that she's always making those jokes. And again, perhaps you could say she's a bit too perfect as a character. She's a bit flawless. But again... I don't know if she is because I think her being so optimistic is perhaps her flaw because she does sort of put herself in situations where she could be taken advantage of or where she could be almost in danger. Like with the, like with Scott, with the driving instructor, you know, she's very casual about the fact that she sees him watching her on the street. A lot of people phone the police in that scenario. That, so that was pretty stalkerish. Yeah. Wasn't it? So, yeah. so I don't, I don't really have a dislike. Those are just some points that I thought I think people may feel about it. But personally, no, I can't say, I can't say they have a dislike. I, I feel like there, there is a, a couple of ways you could sort of view Poppy. But for me, it's... Uh, so I didn't find her irritating at all. And I, and I definitely would have done maybe a few years ago when I was, you know, maybe a bit more miserable and because, you know, misery loves company and it's like, get these optimistic people away from me. But now... For me, when someone is like that, it, this is obviously just my opinion, but usually 
they're masking something. Mm. Like there are some deep scars there from something that has happened in their childhood or maybe something in their sort of adolescence. It's very rare that you would meet somebody like that who acts like that, who has that kind of attitude and has that sunny disposition, who hasn't already been through something. Mm. Because you usually find that when people have been through something, you know, that's been quite horrible or traumatic, because they're now not going through that anymore everything is pretty great. And it's like, wow, every minute that I don't have to feel as rubbish as that, I get to feel like this. And I think people who find it irritating are probably just miserable themselves, right? It's like, how can you get irritated at someone else being happy? Like, life is so hard and things can be so grim sometimes. Like, why would you get annoyed that someone is can just find the joy in anything? So we'll move on to talking about the critical reception in a moment, Alice, because I believe you've got a little journey to take us on. I have indeed, Josh. Follow me now and you listeners (laughs) down the rabbit hole for this bit that we're going to call Alice Down the Rabbit Hole. So... What do we know about Poppy's love interest, Tim, played by Samuel Rukin? Well, Joss, Samuel was born just down the road in Southport in 1980. He went to school in Crosby, where his love of drama flourished and he could often be found starring in the school productions and even heads back there sometimes to present acting workshops. Not only is Samuel an actor, but he's also a DJ, learning on some old-fashioned kit in his garage at home when he was a teenager. And this seems to be his real passion, making quite a name for himself over in Los Angeles. He's been described as using EDM as an expressive tool and a platform to initiate social change. In 2017, he set up a pop-up nightclub called Voltage in Virginia, with proceeds going to a not-for-profit organization supporting the LGBTQ plus community. He was in Virginia at the time filming Turn, Washington's Spies, a drama about the American Revolutionary War in which he plays Captain John Graves Simcoe, a British army general who founded such places as New York and Toronto, and is seen by many Canadians as a founding figure in Canadian history. A somewhat erratic character, Rukin said he had a lot of fun bringing to life Simcoe's somewhat sociopathic tendencies, embracing the challenge of portraying such a complex character. And that, Josh, was Alice down the rabbit hole. <laughs> not, not many podcasts go from someone in a Mike Lee film to electronic dance music to a sociologic, sociopathic Canadian historical figure. But there we go. That's, that's uh, what I'm here for, guys. About. I'm here that's to take you on these journeys. <laughs> um, <laughs> what I do really like about that as well is, so I'm a little bit obsessed with anything that's to do with the American Revolutionary War. Oh, right. And I had no idea that this TV show existed, and now I do. So I'm definitely going to go and watch it all. So we'll move on to talking about the critical reception then. Um, now, I picked this because it's under scene. I don't think it was critically poorly rated but let's have a look then so on imdb at the time of recording it gets seven seven a straight seven out of ten and on rotten tomatoes the audience give it 67 percent and the critics give it 93 percent so that that's the figure whopping 93 yeah so the 93 percent is sort of what i thought it was not maybe a little that might be a little high but i um i know that when it came out it did get in a lot of year-end lists and that sort of thing so what do we think on the whole is that fair is it underrated at all it's that's kind of what i expected to be honest from i mean maybe a little bit high from the critics but not that it's not deserving of it because i can absolutely see the quality in it and there is such a skill in being able to make a film essentially about nothing 
and being able to make that work. Um, not really surprised at the audience figures or scores because I think if you're not into that, like it, it could, like you said about the people you've spoken to about it, it is quite polarizing. And if you're not into that, then this definitely isn't for you because it is absolutely just that thing, isn't it? Mm. It's we've dropped a camera in the middle of someone's life. Here they are for a few months, end of film. Well, what happened? Nothing really. Mm. So if you're not into that, then this definitely isn't for you. So I can definitely see why the audience would give it that. I, But I guess rounding it up altogether maybe appropriately rated, but certainly underseen. Mm. Why, what do you think? I think, I think I'd agree. I think I'd probably say... Um... You, you, I think I'd average it out. I think the critics is slightly high and the audience is slightly low. So if we, adri- if we, if we average seven. that out, yeah, it's sort yeah. of bang in the middle. If you sort of maybe average it out as an eight or something like yeah. that, I think that would be fair. Um, and I think it is underseen because I just, I don't know many people who have, who have seen it. So, I mean, if you have seen it and you and you have a thought on it, then then please do get in touch. But I think it's safe to say we're going for underseen on this one. Yeah, definitely. So there we go, another underseen one to add to the pile. Um, do check it out if you are looking for something that's sort of quite light and uplifting. Alice, it's your turn to pick next week. What are we watching? So, Josh, we are going to be watching In the Heart of the Sea. In the Heart of the Sea. Is that Chris Hemsworth? It is indeed. It is. Chris and Chris. Tom Holland, I believe. So Thor Spider-Man and, and Spider-Man Thor. together. <laughs> Having a good old time, Thor Indeed. and Spider-Man. But they're not those characters because they're professional actors and yes. paid to do it for a job. <laughs> what? <laughs> Are you telling me that Chris Hemsworth can't fly? Um, <laughs> oh, I've lost all interest. <laughs> pick another film. <laughs> just, let's just do Ragnarok. Next week, Thor, Ragnarok. Yeah. Um, right, so... Um, Next week, please do join us. Um, we're going to be talking about In the Heart of the Sea, which is Alice's pick. In the meantime, if you could go on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review, it would be very much appreciated because it uh, helps other people notice us and they can hear us talk about how Chris Hemsworth can't really fly. Um, and if you'd like to get in touch with us, it's filmsandthatpod at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just look for Just Films and That. Uh, and the new the website is justfilmsandthatpod.com. Join us next week and we will be talking about In the Heart of the Sea. Alice, thanks very much for joining me. Thank you, Josh. Pleasure as always. It's goodbye from me. Cheerio. Bye. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.